Hey guys. So you may be aware if you follow my stuff that I started running Facebook ads again a couple months ago. And with Facebook ads come Facebook trolls. And I have been getting my fair share of pissy comments behind faceless profiles, but I've even gotten some people who do show their faces. Either way, it's to be expected. And this is not my first rodeo, so it's been more amusing than anything else. But it has been a wonderful breeding ground for ideas for what to talk about in my Facebook group, No BS Agency Owners, which is specifically for small branding agencies, and on this podcast. Not from the trolls necessarily, but from the people who are clearly just mm, a little triggered by the things that I say. So today, I want to take you back and share a little bit about how this all started, why we changed our business model so drastically and so quickly, how it's completely different than any other branding agency out there, with the exception, of course, of the agencies that I've been training this year, and why it matters to you, branding agency or not. And through all of that, I'm going to address some of the biggest misunderstandings that the less trolly, more triggered small business owners that I come into contact with are having when it comes to what I preach. So let's get into this. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. So like many small business owners, Steve and I started our business merely because we wanted to work for ourselves. We just didn't want to go to an office. We didn't want to have a boss. Steve was a freelance graphic designer and I was freelancing all over the place. And we decided one day on a beach in the Caribbean while we were camping and and living off the grid, which is a story for another day, we decided, you know what, it's time. Pia's going to go find the clients. Steve's going to do the graphic design. We can make this work. So that was our only goal, right? I had to find clients and I had to make enough money for us to live. And really, even just breaking even at the minimum income level was going to be success for us at that point. We were both used to making 15 to $30 an hour doing random tasks. And if we could make at least that without having to show up to a catering job or something, it would be amazing. And for me in particular, I had always defaulted back into bartending whenever I didn't have enough money. And while bartending is a very lucrative job and I enjoy it in many ways and I was very good at it, you know, I, I was too old at that point. I mean, I was... 27. But I was too old at that point to want to keep working till six o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I don't want to do that anymore. So this was like, I'm never going to do that again. We're going to do this and we're going to make it work. That's how we started. And as you have probably gathered, I'm a hard worker, you know, and I like to work and I like to do things well. And I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I enjoy learning, but I, I, li- I like to learn for the purpose of becoming very good at whatever I'm learning. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. It's something I've been working on for the last 10 years because the pressure does not, it is not the reason that you do well. And I have learned that. But, um, you know, I used to 
put a lot of pressure on myself to do very well. So I just figured, look, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the best and I'm going to do so well at this and I'm going to learn fast and I'm going to just hit it hard. And how could we not succeed if we are just working so hard at this? So for example, a couple months into this great experiment, I learned about networking. I, I actually answered an ad on Craigslist and this woman who hired us from this ad, she invited me to her BNI group. And I went to the BNI group and I had never heard of anything like this. So when I went in there, it seemed like the answer to everything. Oh my goodness, like all of these people are going to find me leads and give me clients. Wow. Yes, sign me up. And I signed up and I did exactly what they said. And what they tell you to do is to network your face off. So that's what I did. And I was out there every day. I was having meetings with everybody. I was having phone calls. I was going to parties and events and morning meetings. And I was guesting. It was just all the things. Because if I was going to do it, I was going to do it well. And so, you know, we were able to sustain ourselves. We were able to make actually a lot more money than I was expecting about three months into it. Uh, I remember it was August or September 2011. We we did $10,000 in one of these months. Gosh, $10,000. I mean, that I was like, we are rich. Like, go pick out the yacht that you want, Steve. <laughs> we have so much money now. That's how $10,000 felt at that time. What I didn't even care about at that point, but I care about now and looking back, is that we were working our tails off. We were working all the time to make that $10,000, Steve, two people working full time and then some nights, weekends, everything. That's how we made $10,000 just a couple of months later. So, you know, I was kind of proving to myself, yeah, work hard, show up, do the things you will make money and you'll be fine and you'll be able to work for yourself. Well, that can work for a little while, but that is not sustainable, obviously. And it did not take me that long to realize, oh my God, I can't keep this up. <laughs> like I'm exhausted. And not to mention, I'm terrified. You know, I'm terrified all the time because even though I'm able to piece together, you know, that $10,000 was probably pieced together from 25 gigs, some of which were a couple hundred dollars, not to mention just juggling all those things and the invoicing and the chasing of the payments and all of that. It wasn't sustainable and it wasn't reliable because even in that situation, oh, well, how am I going to make $10,000 next month and the month after? And, and do I, you know, if, if I don't stop operating at this heightened level of stress and anxiety and energy all the time, if I stop, if I stop spinning the plates, will this all go to shit? That's how I felt. So over the course of the next couple of years, I did all the other things that people do, you know, or I was trying to find the answer. And I tried all kinds of things, including working with multiple business coaches. I didn't take that many programs at the time because I didn't really know that that world existed. But I, I ended up finding some and learning and, and just showing up and doing the work and doing great work, right? We did get great projects. We, we worked our tails off for our clients. We wanted them to be so happy. Steve is great at what he does. The work was beautiful. Somehow, though, no matter how much we tried and did our best, it was still a slog. No matter how much money we were bringing in, we could never get our head above water. It was just a constant, like, treading water is how it felt. And despite the fact that I read a lot and I read a lot of great entrepreneurial books, I didn't feel like there was any sort of roadmap for me of what I was supposed to do. So I was raising our prices. I was trying to get bigger and bigger clients. We got an office. We ended up getting employees. It felt like the two of us working out of our little apartment in Brooklyn, we can't charge more, much more than we were charging because who are we to charge that much? We need an office. We need employees. We need to be an agency. And that's the direction that we went in. 
and three years into this, almost to the day that we started this business and went out on our own, we found ourselves in debt. And the reason the debt was significant is because we actually didn't have any cash in the bank and we didn't have any credit available to us. So we were totally maxed out. If we hadn't been maxed out, we probably would have kept going because you can see my resolve for trying to make it work. I was like, we're going to make this happen, Steve. And I, you know, I will not sleep until this works. But we had to do something different because we literally couldn't pay for anything. So we got rid of our employees. We had to. We couldn't pay them. Um, it was made me cry. I remember the day when I had to tell them and I felt so bad. And I still gave them like a week's severance, which was, you know, money we didn't even have, but I gave it to them. And then we were there. We were stuck and we had to figure out something else. And, you know, I have told this story a lot. I, I opened my book, Badass Your Brand, with it. But I want to share today with so much more hindsight, even than when I wrote my book, what was really happening there? I was so fearful and so confused about what to do because I'm somebody who's looking for the answer. And there was no answer. I was doing the answer. I was listening to everything I saw. I was copying what all the other agencies were doing. And I was looking around going, why is this not working? I am usually pretty good at the things that I try to do. And I am working so hard at it and with so much heart and with so much genuineness to help my clients and do good work. I, I think our stuff is good. They say it's good. You know, what, what, what am I missing here? And because I was so stuck in the idea that I had to do it the right way, I'm doing it the right way, it's not working, I was, I was completely flustered by that. And I think that's why I got into this mind game with myself where I couldn't really, it wasn't, there was no way out. And, you know, I always tell the story that Steve kind of unhooked me. Steve's beautiful, beautiful creative mind who's not worried about money, <laughs> no matter how much or little we have. Steve is not paying attention, doesn't care. You know, he always says like, oh, I could live in a cardboard box because he's an artist and he just kind of always, that's just his personality. I can't live in a cardboard box, Steve. So we're not going to do that. But he was the one who said, Pia, like, relax. You know, I get that this is stressful, but let's just, you know, we'll come up with something we always do. I don't know exactly what he said, but what was so important was that he got me out of the fear place. I couldn't make good decisions in the fear place. The fear place just completely paralyzes you and nothing is going to work because nothing is going to solve this quickly. I got out of the fear place and I really accepted the idea that we could do whatever we wanted. Now, there's a big caveat to that, right? We could do whatever we wanted to a point because we were lucky enough to not have kids, right? Like we didn't have a mortgage. We were living in a very cheap apartment. Our overhead was pretty low. We had an office by then, but we had flexibility. We could do a lot of different things. And I had to step outside and say, oh my gosh, we could do so many different things. When I was in the fear place, I couldn't see the fact that we had three really intense years of experience. And I felt like we were where we were when we started. And when I got out of the fear place, I realized that we had built three years worth of experience and equity and value and, and you know, clients, happy clients and confidence and all this stuff. So, you know, that's just one thing I want to point out here uh, before I move on. It's really easy in the fear place to forget how far you've come. And even today, I forget 
things that I've done as if um, where, you know, whenever I'm in a fearful state, I can't see all that is supporting me, all the work that I've done up until now. It's very easy to feel like, oh, I'm never going to get another client again when you're in the fear place. But when you're able to have that context and you're able to see perspective, you can see, oh, my gosh, I've actually built years of value. And that value could be parlayed into so many things. And when I was finally able to see that, that's when we started getting really creative again. And that's when our creative juices were flowing. And that's when we went all in on the intensive model, the brand up. Now, I didn't say this in my book. I don't think I've ever shared this. It was actually called a brand slam in the very beginning. It was a brand slam for a few months. And... Oh, I loved that name. And I was so sad that it was trademarked because we couldn't use it. But the brand slam sounded so much better at the time. Now it actually doesn't sound as good to me. So there's another lesson to be learned. It's like when you say something enough and build a brand around it, it's going to build equity in your own head too. So anyway, it was a brand slam. And then very soon it was a brand up. And we started doing them and offering them to all these people around us who wanted to work with us, but didn't want to pay the high price tags. And the reason we were able to go all in on this was because, and drastically, I mean, we went, it was overnight that we went from writing proposals to saying, we're only going to do this intensives model. The reason we were able to do that is because I, it was, it was all mindset shift. It was like a complete perspective shift. I had been chasing bigger and bigger clients because I had this I don't know where I got it. I had this deep knowledge. I thought I had this knowledge that bigger clients with bigger price tags were the only way to be successful. It's the only way that the only way to make more money is to charge more higher prices. The only way to charge higher prices is to do bigger projects for bigger clients who have bigger budgets. The only way they're going to hire you is if you have an agency worthy of these bigger projects. And so on and so on. That's that's where it all came from. And it never occurred to me that we could make as much or more money working with more clients at lower prices in a more profitable model. And the second I looked at the numbers and I said, $3,000 for a one day and I'm charging $30,000 for six months. Wait a second. That is so much more profitable. And actually, it's easier for me to close the $3,000 client than it is for me to close the $30,000 client. In fact, the time I would spend pitching all kinds of people in order to finally close a $30,000 client is so much greater than the time that I would spend probably to find and close and execute 10 $3,000 projects. And so that's what I was doing. I was just weighing the two options. And as soon as it was like my whole world exploded, (laughs) whoa, this $3,000 one day is so much more profitable. And so many of these people that we're talking to, because I was, I had been networking so much, I knew all these small business owners, they don't have $30,000. They don't want to work on these huge projects. They just need a website. Like they just need a logo. They love our work. They respect what I do you know, they they trust me. This is so much easier. And frankly, at the time, like so much less stress and so much less pressure. I could just show up and do this work for them and they're going to be happy. That's where it all began. Now, at the time, it really was a VIP day. And I want to explain the difference really quickly. VIP days are something that more and more people have been doing in the past few years. VIP days are selling your day 
right? So you put a price tag on your day and you do a project with somebody and they get your time. So you're basically selling eight hours of your time um, or however long your day is. And that's what we were doing at the time too. We were selling an eight hour day for $3,000. But as soon as we started doing that, that's when we got into a completely different mode. And that's when we started seeing all the things that our clients really could use and what they actually wanted and needed. And so what we got to do that was really lucky in retrospect is we got to evolve the process completely based on what we were seeing in the market with the actual clients that we were getting. So we saw that they needed bigger websites or more involved website than we could do in one day. They needed actual five pages, right? I learned that they needed copy. They never said it, but they definitely needed copy. And I became a copywriter because they needed that. They definitely needed logos. They needed identity materials. They needed all these things, right? As we did these projects, more and more on each subsequent project, we would add in the things that they needed and basically come from a place of, how do I solve this client's problem? What do they need? And what does it look like for me to do it in this intensive model? And we incrementally raised the price. At a certain point, we were raising our price $1,000 every month or every like couple sales, actually. You know, I would sell it for $5,000. I'd sell it for $5,000 again, and then I'd make it $6,000, and then I'd make it $7,000. And I just did that for a while. Within a year, it was $10,000. We went from three to $10,000 in almost exactly a year. Hey guys, I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favor. If you love this podcast, if you love this episode, I would be grateful if you would share it with a friend who would benefit or better yet on Instagram in your stories and tag me at Pia Loves Your Biz. It really is the best way for others to find out about the show and I thank you in advance for your help. All right, back to the episode. Now, here's what's really important about this, because what I find a lot of these triggered trolls on Facebook are coming to me and saying and commenting is they're very they seem to be very offended by the idea that you can do anything of value in a short amount of time. And I totally get that. If I think back to Steve, even when we were doing this work, you know, he used to tell me, oh, you know, I need 60 hours minimum to f find the genius of a logo. And anything less than that, I, I will not, you know, I will not do my best work. That's what he used to say to me. So I get it. He would have said the same thing. But what he was doing at that time was he was starting from a blank piece of paper and he was birthing a logo from scratch with it was almost as if he felt like he had to create this logo out of nothing, even though he would do this and he would make amazing logos. They would be brilliant. And then we would like see something that looked a lot like it outside in the world. <laughs> like that happened many, many times because great logos are actually really simple. They're they're building blocks. They're they're not going to be some complicated you know, illustration. He's done those too, but that's for a very specific business. Most businesses need an iconic, simple, but strong logo. So he would spend all of his time doing that. And it was actually, the way I see it is he was approaching it as the artist that he is. So there's nothing wrong with that. It makes complete sense. He is an artist. He's an illustrator, a painter. He's used to the creative process as it comes when it comes to creating an original piece of art. But logos and brands are not your art. They're not there for you 
to do your whole creative process for. In fact, if you let the process become about it being your art, you're really not keeping your eye on the ball because the ball is the goal of the client. And if you make it more about you than you make it about your client's goals and helping them achieve what they need to achieve, you're actually doing them a disservice. Now, if you are an amazing artist, you may make something really great and they may love it. And I'm not taking anything away from that. What I'm more to the point is that you don't need to do that. And actually, it's not really helping your client for you to make it about your art. What helps the client is for you to be strategic and for you to start with the idea of what is this client coming to me for? What are they trying to achieve? And what is the best solution to help them get there? That's it. That's what you're being hired for. And if you lose sight of that and you make it about you and your creative process, it's very easy to make something really cool that's not going to help your client at all. Now, here's why this model is so different from other branding agencies. The typical traditional branding agency model is to do these projects over a long period of time, right? That's the most obvious difference. We do it in a short, intensive time period, a few days. They do the same project over three, six, nine months. But what's happening in those nine months? Lots of emails, Lots of meetings, lots of project management, lots of tweaking and revisions, lots of questioning, lots of new ideas. So many things get into this project that don't necessarily take the project forward. A lot of that, in my experience, just takes the project sideways. Maybe it goes back and forth, left and right, left and right, but it doesn't go forward. And what we do in the intensive model is we start with a strategy and we get super clear on that. So you can't do great work in an intensive model if you're not super clear on what the strategy of the goal is. So we do that first, right? You guys know we do the lead product, the brand shrink. It's uh, the first thing we do before we do the intensive. It's every client has to do it. And the result is that we're super clear on what the strategy that the client needs to take is and how it's going to help them achieve their goal. And they're very clear on it too. And they see the vision and they buy into it. Once we know that, building the brand, that's on us. We're the experts. You've hired us to tell you what that looks like and sounds like. So it's our responsibility to do that well. Now, if I am going to take you through the traditional process, which I used to do, which is, okay, let's look at colors first here are the colors we think your brand should be. And let me get your opinion on these and let's go back and forth. And, you know, then we're going to do the logos. And, you know, here are some logos that we like. Which ones do you like? You want to see different versions? You know, can we do the different lockups? There's five different fonts, 20 different fonts, who knows? All of that is how we used to do it. And that's the traditional model. And what that does is it requires a client to like see the vision of this brand through this color or through this logo. And that's not really how, I mean, even creative people have a hard time seeing that. How are you supposed to make decisions on the entire brand of your business when you're just looking at one tiny little part of it? Because that's what the logo is. The logo is an important small part. And what we say is, how are you going to see what this brand is like? How are you going to see our vision for this brand and how it fits into the overall goal and strategy of your business without seeing the whole thing? 
You can't possibly. Even when Steve, when we're working on a brand and Steve is showing me his progress, like he'll show me things throughout the process, there are certain points where he'll, you know, I'll say, can I see it? And he's like, well, it's not much to see. And, and sometimes he'll show it to me anyway. And then he'll try to describe it. And I'm like, I don't get it. He's like, exactly. You have to wait till I do it because you can't see in my mind until I show you. And that's basically the premise of why we do it in the intensive, holistic, gestalt way that we do it. Gestalt means, you know, the the sum of the of the whole is more valuable than the sum of its parts. We approach design in a very holistic way because we believe that you can have the best logo, but if it doesn't fit into the brand or if you have like great messaging, but it doesn't work with the design, like it doesn't matter. And that's how most people do it. So most branding agencies do this work in a piecemeal way, but it's so ineffective, I think. One of the criticisms that I get a lot is you can't possibly do work, good work in a short amount of time. And I say dragging it out might actually be hurting your project. I'm not shortening it just because I want to do it in less time. I'm shortening it because it allows me to really do our best work. Now, why does it have to be short for us to do that? Because when we present work to a client, it's basically fully cooked, right? It's not half-baked. We are presenting them an entire brand idea. And that brand idea is something that they can see themselves in. And they don't have to make a decision about this little thing over here or have an opinion about that detail over there. Each particular detail isn't as important as the whole thing. Is this entire brand going to get you to your goal? And if it is, we just made three months worth of decisions in an hour. And that's basically how we do it. Obviously, there's a a whole process behind that. I'm going to talk about that in later episodes. But That is what is so different about our model is that we don't require or ask of our clients to have the imagination or the ability to read our minds and what we're going for for them. They've hired us as the experts to show them what that brand looks like. And because we listen and because, you know, we're good at what we do, as I expect you are, listener, the outcome is something wonderful. It hits the nail on the head. And that's our job. Not to create the coolest thing. Steve's an artist. He can create cool things all day long. Sometimes we, sometimes they'll make logos and we won't show them. And we're like, yeah, that's really cool. But it's not right. And it's, it hurts. It hurts to not show a logo or a design that's really cool, but not right. But that's our job. That's what we've been hired to do. Not to show things just because they're cool, just because we like them. We got to show it because it's right. We have to show it because it's what is going to help the client succeed. Now, why does this matter to you? Branding agency owner or not? I mean, I guess it's obviously relevant if you're a branding agency owner, but even if you're not, what is what is this? What's the point of all this? I started by saying that I was copying what other people were doing and I was looking for the right answer. And it didn't lead me to a successful place. In fact, it led me to a place where I was very submissive to my clients and doing a lot of work, but not getting the best result every time. How many times have you worked with a client where they kind of, you know, pushed you around a little bit and you, you know, you want the client to be happy. So you do it and you're like, oh, I wish they had gone with the other version because it was so much better. How many times has that happened to you? It hasn't happened to me in over eight years, but it happened to me a lot before that. So I'm very aware of that feeling because when you are in a more submissive role to a client, then you're just, you're more of an employee. 
you know, it's an employee relationship, really, because they've hired you to do what they're bidding. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee. But if you're running a business, you probably don't want to be in an employee situation. You want to be in an expert situation. Branding agency owner or not, approaching how you work with clients from a place of confidence in your own expertise and looking for the way that you can deliver the most valuable experience for them so that they get the most valuable outcome. That is what I think leads to you being more valuable for your clients and clients getting the best outcome when you come at it with that in mind. Sound obvious? I don't think most people are doing this. How many times have you contacted a business and they don't get back to you right away or they do, but they're pushy or they tell you it's going to be, it depends and they have to go through this whole lengthy process to figure out what they're going to pitch you. And I don't know, because I'm somebody who also hires people, I hire people that I project are like me, like they're showing up and they're trying to do the best thing that they can for the client and they have expertise to back it up. And when I hire those people, I hire them and I pay more for it because they're going to solve my problem and they're going to solve it quickly and easily. I want less friction. If you're a business owner and you're looking for great clients, great clients are clients who don't have time to handhold with you. They don't want to because they're busy being successful at the thing that they're really good at. But in order for you to get hired by those people, you have to step up into that confidence. You have to own that you are that expert. And you have to own the outcome too. I mean, I'll be honest. There have been times where I have been nervous because I know that clients are going to take whatever I give them and they're going to love it. And I feel the weight of the world of responsibility for that because I want it to be the best thing possible because I know they're going to take it. I'm taking the responsibility away from them for their benefit. I don't want them to feel the fear of if I make the wrong decision or if I don't ask for to see it in three different ways, I might not get the best outcome. That's what clients feel. That's why they ask for so many revisions because they're scared that they're not going to get the best result. But if you show up with a level of confidence that allows them to relax, then it's actually much harder because the onus is really on you. You're really responsible for the outcome when clients trust you completely. I know it sounds like what people want, but I'll tell you, it can be scary because you're responsible for the outcome. And if you care, I mean, I guess some people don't care, but if you care about that outcome, then that's a lot of responsibility. But that's why it's worth so much more. That's what people are paying you for. So you want to get paid a higher dollar amount. If you want to get paid based on value, then that's the kind of mental and emotional responsibility that you need to take on. So I want to leave you with this. If you want to level jump in your business, in your branding agency, think about where you can take more responsibility and what it would look like for you to do your best work for a client so that they get the best outcome possible. And don't limit yourself to the models that you see out there because just because everyone's doing it does not mean it's the best model. In fact, if everyone's doing it that way, I tend to think there's something a little mediocre about it. What can you bring to the table that's going to make it excellent? 
And are you ready to put your money where your mouth is? You know, are you ready to really put your best foot forward and say, this is the best way? And I'm going to take responsibility for this for you, client, and we're going to get the best outcome together. And you relax and follow me and I will take you there. If you're not willing to say that, then you have to question if your process or your own confidence in your expertise is really up to the level where you can charge more and more. And, you know, of course, nobody is at the peak of their expertise because expertise is a moving target and you can kind of constantly develop expertise. But whether you are charging $2,000 and you want to charge three or you're charging $15,000 and you want to charge 30 or you're like one of my clients and you're charging $100,000 and you want to charge $150,000, I think the emotional experience is still the same. There is a, a level of expertise that you have to have and a level of confidence at that price point, And you really need to own it. And if you're at $2,000, you can work your way up to three and then four and then five. So you're not stuck wherever you are. It's just a kind of a constant process. So going back to my triggered trolley Facebook commenters, I, I wish you were listening to this, but you're probably not. It's okay if it takes you longer to do this work, but I would ask you to question whether or not it's taking you longer because you think it should, because you think more time equals more value, or because you actually just want to spend more time doing it because it's your art. And if it's your art, great. When I got Steve, like I had to muscle him over to this side. When I got him to move over, I said, Steve... I know you love doing this, but you also love creating your own art. Why don't you do this with the client in mind and the value 100% for them and do it efficiently and then have a lot more time to paint? Isn't that what you want? And as soon as I presented it to him like that, he said, yeah, of course, that's what I want. (laughs) Of course, I would like I want to be painting. That's, you know, a big reason we built this business. So If you're an artist who takes pride in your work and you're a graphic designer or an illustrator or whatever, great. I want you to take pride in your work. Save it for your art, you know, and bring your artistry to the to the table when you're doing it for clients. But make sure you don't forget the client and make sure you don't forget the the strategy and the goal. And if you don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the strategy and the goal, all the more reason that you should come join me in the No BS Agency owners Facebook group where I'm definitely talking about this all day long. This is also obviously something I teach in Nobiet's Agency Mastery where I teach this model. Soup to nuts, paint by numbers. Let me show you exactly how to do this. Let me show you how to take your expertise and translate it into this much more efficient high value model for your clients. That's all I have for you today. I've got a big shift coming up in this podcast in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned. A lot of exciting stuff coming up. And in the meantime, I hope you are enjoying the holidays. See you next week. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wastervall. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. Western Runners.